Hey everybody, we've just finished off the Power Up show on the 1st of August and as always it was jam, jam packed. What did yes, you think, and we Paul? had the jam as well, didn't we? So, um, but yes, a jam packed <laughs> show with the jam indeed. So, um, we had a few technical issues. The word ashes kept on being bandied around. I'm not sure why that happened. Only, only 320 times before you muted my microphone. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot off here as well. Anyway, so we had a packed show again. We, as always, we uh, talked to our LinkedIn uh, ninja, Gillian. And uh, she said some great information this evening about Hashtag communities, what's right, the space? That's right. Leah had a segment as well where she was talking about the next C in the segment in terms of mental toughness, which was around um, control. Um, and uh, we Janine. also talked to Janine uh, mm. about STEM and about, uh, you know, how uh, with, with STEM in terms of there's a real lack of, um, uh, of Involvement girl, and engagement yeah, of right. girls Put being involved and trying to understand why that is happening and what the consequences are. Mm, so, very important in terms of like the importance of getting women into technology yeah, and uh, getting interested in technology. So. Yeah, and as always, a big shout out to our sponsors, yes. Insight Intelligence Group. Yeah, so tell me, what have Insight Intelligence Group uh, been uh, coming up with this week? Well, have you ever thought about doing background checks of any of your employees? A big Australian-owned manufacturing company needed to replace their CFO. They got in a number of candidates. One candidate was quite appealing. They contacted the team at Insight Intelligence who did thorough background checks and realized that they were looking at a complete and absolute fraud. Wow. The result of that on a multi-million dollar company and it's in the high millions, we're not just talking one or two, we're talking tens of millions here, would have been absolutely astronomical as well as reputational damage. So are you doing the right research on your employees to ensure that you have the right person in your team? But right now, we're off to the podcast. We are the Insight Intelligence Group, specialising in Australian corporate investigations and information risk management, workplace investigations, competitor analysis, social media intelligence, reputational risk management, internal or external investigations. Professional and proactive, Insight Intelligence Group works with you to ensure the success of the investigation. Australia-wide or global, facts, not opinion. 02882-9837. Insight Intelligence. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Power Up Show, rocking you home with the news of the business that was. Paul, how are you today? Oh wait, I'm going to mute you. Okay, you can talk just a little bit though, but be warned. Good evening, Mia, good evening everybody. <laughs> um, and welcome to the Power Up Show again, Power Up Express on a Thursday evening. And uh, we better just explain in terms of Mia there, in terms of why um, you turn a microphone off, because I'm ba- <laughs> apparently there's something I'm banned from talking about this evening, yes, isn't there? Yes, you are banned from talking about the event that is about to happen that the news just spoke about, and that is the Ashes series. Mm. So, so, so how many times are I allowed to say Ashes or I get in trouble about talking about the Ashes and I mentioned Ashes again? so you already went over. <laughs> too, is it too much? And you can take the flag down and I'll ask you to take your shirt off, but that's just... No, 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 it's not... It's not. <laughs> It's no good. So <laughs> anyway, so we've got a packed show tonight. So enough of uh, the uh, the ashes for us. Oh, oops, I said it again. Uh, on the <laughs> show tonight, um, as always, we'll be hearing from the fabulous LinkedIn ninja Gillian. Gillian will join us uh, for some more insights uh, on LinkedIn and about company pages. I believe is what she's going to be talking about yes, tonight. Continue the conversation from last week about how to get better engagement through your company page. Fantastic. Um, we're going to be talking to um, and pr- apologies for pr- pronunciation here, uh, Jenny. Uh, Janine. Jenny, sorry, Janine Bighesen. Yeah, close enough. Close is, that, enough yeah. is that good enough? I can't pronounce your surname, so <laughs> like you know, and if we, as we learned a few months ago, somebody I've known for ten years, I just learned how to pronounce his surname in the last few weeks. Um, so, um, 
and um, <laughs> Jenny's going to be talking about STEM, isn't she? Um, yes, correct. So Jenny is the number, uh, top 100 women influencers, and she's really driving STEM back into schools, but more specifically in girls in school. So it's a very, very important and relevant topic. So I'm so excited to have her on. Very good, very good. And uh, I think someone that might actually be in school might just sent me a text saying a bit too close to the microphone. So um, <laughs> I've now moved away. Um, and uh, and after that, uh, we're going to be talking to, uh, to to Leah later on as well. Uh, mm, so Leah is going to join us again. And, uh, that's right. And uh, she's talking about the four C's. And the, the C tonight is about control and controlling yeah. leadership and uh, some great stuff she's going to share with us. Um, you know, even when I read, read a LinkedIn post earlier on today and got uh, you know quite excited about something you're going to talk about there so, so looking forward to that and Mia you're going to take us through a segment to this evening as well aren't you so do you want to talk about more about that yeah just going to talk a little bit about when you're a really good strategic partner for your customer can you be asking them for referrals can you leverage their database and their customer base in order to become more efficient and productive on your side yeah and so is that does that answer the question towards when is the right time to ask for yeah, a referral yeah absolutely fabulous that'll be absolutely great you're listening to the Power Up Show with Mia and Paul at Alive 90.5 yeah, Brian Adams and the Ashes of 69. No, um, no, stop. Oh, sorry, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, my microphone's going off again. I've got mute. <laughs> oh, good, yeah, you're going to mute you. And guess what, Paul, we it's have... It's time for Gillian. So um, Gillian Bullock is back with us uh, again uh, this evening. And just to remind everybody, um, Gillian is um, the only LinkedIn ninja in the whole of the Southern Hemisphere. So a very special... Rated number age. one LinkedIn trainer. Gillian, is that correct in Australasia? Mm-hmm. Yep, you got it. Welcome, welcome. So excited to have you back. We got some amazing feedback from some of the information you gave us last week, last week, including a lot of, oh, missed out on the company pages, but you left us hanging when you said, Mm. actually, there is a way for us to further engage our potential clients through LinkedIn. Do you want to talk us through what we should be doing? Sure. Okay. So, yes, uh, just to recap from last week, because it did carry on. So um, there was a feature that you could invite people to the company pages and that was revoked um, very, very quickly because it was being used for spammy purposes instead. Um, so to recap, the conclusion of that was, you know, play play nicely on LinkedIn and stop trying to sell, sell, sell and, and spam people. Um, we're not in Facebook, we're in work, right? So, yes. Now, employee advocacy and having your employees um, you know, share your content from the company page is one of the by far best ways to do it. Um, however, there are a lot of solopreneurs out there mm-hmm. and of course that's really, really hard to do when there's no employees. Um, and perhaps they're, uh, what are they called? Um, oh, they're not consultants. You know, the, you know, the people that you hire just now and then for things. Um, yes, oh. like coaches or you are. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Of course, yeah, they're yeah. not going to promote your page because they've got their own business to run, right? Yeah. So um, the way to actually get some some traffic towards your company page is through the hashtag communities. Okay, so every company page you can join hashtag communities. It's on the upper right hand side of the company page. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if I should be saying this, but I did check a live ninety FM <laughs> FM. I feel like Paul and I are about to get served very quickly. So Paul, let's just pad up. Julian, it's not the first time we know. That. I don't know if I should say this out loud, but <clears throat> anyway, um, there wasn't any listing of hashtag communities, which basically means whoever's doing that page needs to get in touch with me. No, <laughs> yeah. they, they need to 
<laughs> and get into a hashtag what? community. We know people who know people. Yeah. Right. Good, good. Okay, so they need to actually list themselves with some hashtag communities. Um, now, you can do up to three. Okay. So, just sorry, define for me what a hashtag community actually means. Okay, sure. Good question. <laughs> um, so, the hashtags are all around LinkedIn. Um, they only adopted it fairly late in the game. Twitter was the, the first place hashtags were taking off. And a hashtag community is um, LinkedIn has them as a, a, a communal everywhere over LinkedIn. They can get indexed outside of LinkedIn, but it's having everybody follow a particular hashtag creates a community, uh-huh. essentially. Okay. So the next place I went, um, since I can't use the radio station as an example, um, I went to a certain law firm that we both know, Mia. Okay, yes, and yep. I don't want to say that out loud because I really don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> Neither do Paul and I. <laughs> fabulous. Good call, okay, good So cool. let's, let's just say we could say this is a generic problem with law firms and, and just about everywhere else. So it's, it's a fairly easy one to do. Um, but they have three hashtags, um, which is all you can do it at one time anyway. So they have the hashtag OzLaw, so A-U-S Law. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look that up, and the numbers are there, it's not hard to look up. There's only 393 people following that hashtag. Oh, I know the answer to this. It's the wrong hashtag, right? Well, yeah, because there's 630 million people on LinkedIn, and there's only 393 following that hashtag. So it's not the best as fun. (laughs) I just kind of got a bit flabbergasted by the numbers here. Read that first number out again, please, Julian. The, The 630 million? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that Stop. many people on LinkedIn. Wow. So following a hashtag with or having your company page people. follow that mm-hmm. hashtag with 393 is not going to do much. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, they also had Western Sydney, which was 40. Um, and then they had their own brand name, um, which is great to do because it does help build the brand. Mm-hmm. But there's only four people following that. So did you say Western Sydney had 14 people? 40. 40. 40. Four zero. Okay. So yeah, whereas Sydney has like 300,000. Oh, uh, by the way, my hashtag Sydney, everyone. <laughs> Let's quickly jump on the bandwagon. Okay. So, so here's, here's an alternative that they could do in this case. All right. So the hashtag law, for example, like LAW law, mm-hmm. has 5.5 million people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you've got legal issues, which is 5.3 million Wow. If by chance they're in conveyancy and they do a lot of stuff to do with real estate and property, there's even four million following real estate. Now, so you just talk me through hashtags. Yeah, that, that, that's massive. I mean, four hundred compared to, compared to the five hundred thousand you were mm. talking there. But just talk me through how that hashtag works. So, say for example, my business is Sydney is awesome, and I use the hashtag Sydney, which has got you said three hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so if I put there hashtag Sydney, everybody that's following hashtag Sydney, do they mm-hmm. see my post in their feed now? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Now, All right, that makes but sense now. it does also depend on who's following that company page. So if you are following the company page and then they actually wanted to follow Sydney as well, then more the, the likelihood of them seeing your, your post is very, very high. 
Okay, very, very so hard. it's making sure okay. that there's a connection between the two hashtags or between yeah. the hashtag and, okay, that makes sense, hashtag communities. Now, <laughs> now, the other thing that's really, really cool about these hashtag communities is as a company page, they can click on, let's just say their top one was law, okay? The person that's the admin of that page can click on law and then go to all the content that's been put out. You can either go recently or most popular. And then they can actually comment as a company page. Oh. <laughs> it's adding a so different the- dimension, isn't it? Because, yes, as you said, now you're starting to build the company brand versus uh, yeah. individual's brand and you're giving the company more power uh, yeah. and you're leveraging. So if it's, a, if it's a solopreneur, it's a great way to leverage hashtags to build your brand. But if you're a company, not only are you using the hashtags to leverage your brand, you're also able to empower your workforce to amplify that even more. Yes. So here's an, another example. Gary V put out a um, post today, which up at this point, he's got 2,800 reactions or likes, if you like, wow. in the old days, and there's 615 comments as of this time. So I have a client that is a podcasting studio and this whole post was about how good podcasts are. And so I messaged them and said, hey, do this, this and this and grab onto this um, podcasting post mm-hmm. and actually answer something as your company page. So what's happened now is because they answered it under their company page, which is what they do for, for as a business, yeah. there's been 615 people notified that there's a new comment but it's a new comment by a relevant company wow. page. that's just taken their business level to a completely different level, really. Exactly. Outstanding. Exactly. Julian, that's so amazing. It's opening, up, uh, opening up different opportunities. Yeah, that yeah. is always, that's just such amazing advice. What do you have in store for us next week? Well, I don't know, because I would like to cover something that's new. So we'll see what LinkedIn comes out with um, during the week. There was about eight different features in the last two weeks. Wow. So um, we'll see what they So you're going to leave us hanging on a cliffhanger now, are you? Yeah, yeah, so it'll be something absolutely cutting edge because there is is a brand new feature that's been um, come out in the last, this last week, but it's only come out in the US. So so um, it's saying that it'll be rolled out in the fall, which I guess is our spring. Um, So if people want to hear about that one, I can certainly tell you it's really good for small business owners. Um, But if there's something that eclipses that, that is actually in Australia, then I'll talk about that one. Outstanding. Well, we're looking forward to it as always. Gillian, if you need the expert to deal with your LinkedIn account, you want to speak to the LinkedIn Ninja Down Under. Mm, Doesn't get any better than what you get from you, Gillian. So thank you very much again, Gillian. Really appreciate that. That's great. uh, Speak to you next week, Gillian. No problem. You're listening to Power Up Show with Mia and Paul on Live 90.5. Uh, that was uh, a town called Mass from the Jam from 1983. And we have our next guest on the phone now. First of all, I must say, first of all, I've got to say uh, thank you to the. Uh, uh, Did the you mention the ashes? Not going to mention <laughs> the ashes, say, but. Uh, well, thank Annika for sending a picture of her and her mum uh, bopping away in the car to uh, Brian Adams, which was uh, which was fantastic. So, um, and that's before I sent the ashes. Oh, sorry, I said it again. So, um, <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, Janine Ferguson uh, on the phone now. Join us this evening. Hi, Janine. How are you? 
Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very well. You're very welcome there. You've got uh, some interesting insight to share with us about uh, uh, girls and doing, doing STEM. Yeah, actually, I so. want to preface the conversation, yeah. Paul, so I'm going to jump in here. Yeah, uh, Janine, so you and I had a very quick conversation earlier today, and one of the issues that I raised with you that I really wanted to get some insight was the fact that I'm not seeing girls voluntarily move into a STEM class or a STEM environment. So while we do have STEM in school to some kind of an extent, when you look at the external classes, the classes that are actually challenging our kids and creating an environment in which they can grow and prosper, there still seems to be that disconnect uh, about one to five. So for every five boys, we've got one girl moving into the class. Do you want to give us a little bit of insights around what you see from your perspective that's happening? Yes, thank you for the great lead in there and really great insights that you've seen in your own experiences, um, in your own um, personal uh, family. And so certainly I think we definitely need to invite girls to be part of STEM. And there was a really interesting study that has just come out of Duke University in the US and they actually asked computer science students why they studied computer science in university. And it was interesting, many of the men said, I think it was 80% of the men said they were studying computer science because they enjoyed it, mm. and 80% of the women were studying it because they were invited to jo- <laughs> study it, which I think is quite fascinating. So I think what we do need to do is encourage girls to be part of these movements and be part of these clubs and give them a real purpose for belonging as well. And in my experience, girls don't really want to code for coding's sake. It's not that exciting, but they're more than willing to code to solve a purposeful problem. So our program really does get girls to try to find a problem in their local community that they care about, that they'd like to solve. And by that time, once they're bought into the problem, they're more than willing to code to solve the problem. So I think it's quite a different uh, way to approach technology with girls and boys in my experience and certainly it's not absolute but that tends to be the way that things um, work so I think with these clubs we need to find a way of giving girls a purpose to be there. It's a very interesting dynamic you bring into the conversation where you're saying let's give girls a reason and a purpose to solve a problem because I suppose although you know I, I suppose all saying is you know when a woman is crying a man just wants to fix it but what you're saying here is that girls actually want to look at a problem and feel like they're coming up with a solution that's going to best uh, suit the situation but the programs that are running today don't actually allow for that framework I mean I get I understand that your program allows for that but the more generic programs out there don't allow for it so it's not allowing for girls to come into STEM what's the danger that we're actually facing by I don't want to say isolating them out of it but by not encouraging them more or inviting them more into these programs outside of a school environment that's a really great question I and mean, I think there are uh, impacts on a variety of levels, but I think on a very personal level, um, uh, women aren't being part of this amazing industry where they get to help create the future. And then if they're not part of creating that future, what does that future look like if it has only a certain part of the population actually involved in making that happen? And that's certainly what we're seeing coming out of Silicon Valley with, you know, the bro culture and this idea that, you know, um, it's mostly white middle-aged, white young men who are involved in building technology and certainly mm. that needs to change to change the type of technologies that we use and we've even seen this in i think something like 30 percent of western households now have a digital assistant so an alexa or or um, a google home or something like that in the household mm. and if you think about who's building those technologies it is mostly men and therefore they're not necessarily reflecting values of women in society and there's a really great unesco report that's just been released on that so and when we're focusing so much on artificial intelligence in terms of even things like recruiting in organizations we have um cvs and resumes being sorted out by keywords using artificial intelligence 
Now, if those keywords are determined by men, then women don't actually get, even get through the door. So I think that's a really um, simple suggestion, but if we think of things like medical devices and having only one part of the population fitting into that, mm. then we're going to get very skewed technology. And I suppose the other point that we need to make here is that we're not saying that women need to be above men here or that that men are, you know, we need to put them down and that the situation should change to be 80% women and, you know, 20% men. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying here is that the danger is that in 20 or 30 years' time, we're going to be back in an environment back in the 50s where men were in the workplace working because, let's be honest, this is where technology is going. Uh, this is where the future is going. We need to have this technological background. So if men are, or boys are moving into that environment, we're going to fall back to exactly where we've come from, where men are going to be in the workplace and the women are going to be back at home because they're just not equipped to continue in the workforce. Absolutely, no, we need active participation by everyone. And when we talk about diversity, it's not just about women and girls. It's about every, uh, everyone being represented at the table. So we're talking about people from different ages, ethnicities, um, people with disabilities, people from um, so non-binary as well as um, mm. gender gendered um, perspectives. So I think it's really important for us to have everyone included at the table. And there's the old adage, if we all sit around the table and we all look the same, we all think the same. And that gets built into the technology that mm. we have. And so, and if we look at the research around diversity in terms of, say, organizations, companies perform better financially, uh, they have better co- uh, company reputation, they have less conflict by having diversity in the team. So the research is there. And, and it's really not even just diversity. At this point, we need more people in the workforce in general. So there's a statistic that came up by Deloitte, which said something like um, a 1% increase in STEM participation in the workforce in Australia would actually return $50 billion for the Australian economy. And similar That's a no-brainer, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's quite significant. So not yeah. only personal level and organisational level, at a national level, this is really, really important. And I know that a lot of organisations have uh, put initiatives in, in, in place, basically, to try and um, increase, the, as you say, diversity across the board. And, and I guess some probably have uh, put a lot more effort in others. Some have come probably later to the party than others. So I guess there is always the, there is some work being conducted there. I guess it's just one of those things in terms of is it actually covering all the areas it, it needs to? Because sometimes you just feel that uh, you know there are sometimes that there's always a, there's gaps that exist. And, and I guess what you've uh, to hear is that there is a yeah, there is there is a gap which is um, yeah, which is certainly exists out there in terms of um, choices that are being made early on in life. Absolutely, and I've been, just been spent two days at a conference here in Brisbane called the Hopper Down Under Conference, which brought together about seven hundred women from around the world who are in technical roles to talk about exactly these issues. And through that, there really is a pledge for fifty fifty by twenty twenty five. So many universities and organisations around the world are taking this pledge to have not only fifty percent. If we take a university like ANU, not only 50% in terms of their student population, but also 50% in terms of their faculty or teaching. Mm. So I think we do need to look at this in terms of even school, um, school children, but also teachers and people at every level. Janine, this is such a... It, it, the conversation is bigger than where we've started. We're starting at the back end, which is how do we empower the girls of today to become the leaders of tomorrow? But we're sitting with the real problem now, and that is the woman of today... Um, have got that they're fighting a struggle now there's such a pay discrepancy we're behind the curve in terms of our our develop i say our development but our technical technological advancement and the conversation is a lot greater so we would love to create a series with you um in the next month or so and just do a four-part series on what steps need to be taken how can parents 
parents look at technology and look at STEM and how they can actively be participating in programs that encourage their daughters to come through the window with them? I would absolutely love to do that. And I guess where I'm coming from is that digital literacy is not assumed and there's this idea that those young people who we call digital natives who've grown up with technology, Mm -hmm. that they are digitally literate. And there's research that says that's absolutely not the case and every teacher I've spoken to absolutely agrees with me. And what we mean by that is, yes, they can use an app, but they can't build a... They can't prepare a spreadsheet or format Mm. a Word document. And these are basic skills for everyday life and working in an organisation. So I think we need to uh, purport digital literacy alongside math and English literacy and for our young people to be prepared for any kind of digital future. That's absolutely 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Janine, thank you so much for being on the call. We are going to definitely be in touch and create that four-part series so that we get the word out there, that we do uh, join you on your pledge because that's exactly what you're doing is you're fighting for girls in STEM. So we'd love to do that with you. Wonderful. I look forward to it. So if you want to check out our work, go to techgirlsmovement.org and we'd love you to be part of our movement. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Janine, and we'll be in touch really, really soon. Thank you, Janine. Thank you this so is The Power Up Show with Pip Mir and Paula, live 90.5. And you're back with The Power Up Show. It's currently 20 to 7. You're with Mia and Paul. And Paul uh, has been put on mute for the moment because if he shows me anything to do with the UK and say anything about cricket anymore, uh, he will be kicked out. So. <laughs> Okay, you can talk, Paul. Quickly get it out of your system. No. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, well, well. Leah, how are you? Oh, Mia, Paul, how are you? I am fantastic. Now, where are you? Quickly quickly make us jealous. Where are you? Oh, I am in the snow this week. And I have to say, we've had three bluebird days and it is magnificent. Okay, did we say that we don't like you very much, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only thing is it's cold and and it hurts when you fall over in the snow. So it's not all good, Mia. The novelty of snow wears off. It does does, does the older you get and more they fall over, I found. Well, and isn't it just a phenomenal example of control, right? Ah, I like it, Leah. I like <laughs> now, it Now, 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 I, before we even get started on, before we get started on control, Leah, I need to uh, just take you through something that happened this week. Now, Paul, you are well aware that I'm a reality fan TV, uh, reality TV fan, yes. um, but actually, not <laughs> that it's reality TV, I love Survivor. Uh, Leah, I'm not sure about you, but I love Survivor. I've been watching it for far too long. Paul's looking at me going, what the hell? Uh, Look, I was an I was a fan originally and uh, glued, so I get where you're coming. Oh, from. fantastic! <laughs> the Australian um, series of Survivor is currently competitors versus contenders, and we've got some really big names in the competitor space: big AFL players and Olympic. Uh, gold medalists, we have uh, the CEO of Boost Juice in there. So we're not talking small little minds in here. We've got some really big competitors versus the contenders. And one of the things I wanted to say to you, Leah, was it was the mindset of the two teams. And I think you're going to understand what I'm saying when I get to the point now is that the they have the challenges. We all know about the challenges in Survivor. And you could see that when the contenders, they wanted it, they were hungry, they needed to get it, but they could not pull it across the line. Whereas with the competitor, uh, the the champion, sorry, they just managed to find in one of the challenges, they managed to find an extra 5% and that was all they needed to win, right? And when we went to tribal council, the the contenders went to tribal council, the question was asked, why did you lose? What did the champions do differently? 
And the answer was so interesting because it reminded me of what we're talking about in mental toughness. The answer was we just couldn't get across the line. We weren't working together as a team. All of a sudden, there was this blame game happening and reasons Mm. why it didn't happen. When the reality is these guys were pushing themselves so hard and they were doing what we've been talking about, those peaks and troughs. They went really hard, really fast, but they couldn't maintain any stamina. They couldn't stay at that top gain. And when they dropped, they just dropped rock bottom. And I thought if that's not the analogy for what mental toughness is about, I don't know what is. Oh, look, that is that is a phenomenal analogy. And, you know, this is also very much where mental toughness is that set of skills and capability that helps us to handle these stresses in this moment, right? Now, isn't that exactly what you've just described, how the competitors, no, the, the champions had so much more capability in this area because this is what they've been drilled with mm. in their sporting life this this is absolutely a key part of their education and their daily practice so you know this is where we're seeing you know this extreme situation where absolutely survivor is a game of mental toughness and absolutely um, a game of of self-control the, the next element I wanted to bring up, so Leah, we might actually do this in two segments with you if that's okay. I know I wanted to talk a little bit about referrals, but I, I yeah. do want to get this out because, you know, this last week has really driven home what we've been talking about with mental toughness. And a lot of people, I believe, can identify with Survivor and uh, with the mindset that needs to go behind Survivor. And from that point on, the champions just started to lose and the competitors took over. But the different conversation that was happening at Tribal Council, it went around, we win together, we lose together. It's a collective decision. We collectively agreed that X, Y, and Z was going to happen, and collectively we lost. Now, how different was that conversation versus the contenders who were turning around saying, well, that was the problem there and all the finger pointing? I just thought it's such a different conversation. These are the conversations that the leaders are having. We're not going to play play the blame game here. We're not going to point one finger. And yes, there were some people that were pointing one finger. But it seemed to be, you know, collectively, this is what we've agreed on. And collectively, it failed. So collectively, we need to make a different decision next time. Yep, because collectively, we are one team. And that falls back to what we were talking about last week, which was the commitment, right? You're committing to what you're doing. You're committing to what you've decided to do and you've committed to the outcome, good or bad. You committed to the outcome and you've accepted it and go, we don't like it. Let's see what's next. Exactly, and they're also demonstrating a phenomenal level, high level of emotional control, right, which is very, very strong in high-level, high-performing athletes, right, where, yep, they're going to be feeling the disappointment. They're going to be having all those feelings. They might even be having blame and shame thoughts, but that is not what is emanating from them. That's not coming out of their, their, their mouths. And they're staying firm on what they committed to. But that's taking a lot of personal, emotional self-regulation to be that team player when the chips are down. The last thing I wanted to say, and then we'll go to a break and come back and talk a little bit more about control, uh, is 
when the question was asked, who is the leader of the team? Collectively, there seemed to be this agreement that actually nobody was leading the team. Everybody knew exactly what needed to be done. They knew to what level they needed to be performing at. Is that a mental toughness um, trait that we don't need a leader, we just we know what needs to be done? This is more about situational leadership and about everybody standing up to be the leader when they need to be the leader. And so this is a whole other skill set that comes. Like the first thing in any leadership situation is the person needs to want to be a leader. So who actually then is the the decider of what gets done? This is where the nuances of team performance come into it, which is a whole, you know, a whole subject in itself, Mia. But absolutely, each of them need to be strong in all the four components of mental toughness. And this is, you know, where this has been born out originally of, uh, of high-level sport, sporting environments. Leah, we're just going to go to a break quickly. Can you hang around for, let's see, we've got John Cougamelon, Cap, Jack and Diane, so it's about four minutes. Can you hang around for four minutes? And, oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Beautiful. We'll come back and we're going to talk about control. You're listening to our Live 90.5 with Mia and Paul. We're back with Leah in a few minutes. We still have Leah on the phone with us, the mental toughness guru, and I did, sorry, Leah, I did sideswipe you a little bit with my... <laughs> <laughs> Love of Survivor. I knew I was going to get it in at some point without Paul's permission. She was also, determined to do that. Also, I turned his microphone off so he couldn't really intervene. <laughs> no, I couldn't talk about the cricket. Game. It is such a great living example of mental toughness, like like in the present, right? Where there, you are dealing with really big things that are life or death. You will get voted on, in or out, depending on mm. your choice in the moment. Mm. So talk us through, so we spoke last week a little bit about control, I mean commitment, sorry, and making that commitment within the mental toughness framework and understanding what commitment meant in the mental toughness framework. Do you just quickly want to sum it up in a few words for us and then let's head to the second C, which is control. Well, yes, that, and then the, the I know, it gets very confusing with all the four Cs, Mia. Yeah. We started with confidence. Oh, confidence, sorry, my mistake. Yeah, but because that's the overarching one and control sits and of course when we go back to confidence, this is this, you know, unerring belief in our own abilities, right? And this is what we're being tested on in survivor, we're being tested in leadership, we're being tested in, in creating a successful future for, you know, the, the our kids and grandkids, right? So and and within then confidence then is is supplemented with control and this is very tightly linked to confidence right Mm -hmm. because our level of control is the extent to which we maintain control is very key for being resilient and it's it's again tied in with our belief how strongly do we believe that we shape our world and that we shape what happens to us Right. This is the one segment of control, which is life control. How strongly do we believe that we shape what happens to us? The second component or subcomponent of control is emotional control. And this is where we've seen, you know, how well do we control anxiety, frustration, mm. anger, disappointment? Mm. Are we blaming and shaming or are we having those feelings and staying firm 
to the to the team goal to to the to what we said we would do and that's what to, you were, what we were saying with survivor earlier exactly. is that they uh, as far as the team was concerned they knew what they needed to do they were standing firm with that but then you did say that potentially those emotions were ha- happening in the background of failure Absolutely. and disappointment or what have you, but it didn't affect their overall team, not morale, because that's probably not the word, right word, but their, their team and their leadership abilities. Exactly. And also when you, the other uh, element to consider is that these people are coming together as, as, as a team for the very first time, right? So again, the more, the stronger the individuals are within, in terms of these four C's of mental toughness, this is what they're bringing to the team, okay? And Mm -hmm. this is where the champions obviously have taken more to the team because this has been part and parcel of their education and their daily rituals in, in their everyday lives as elite sports people. And so emotional control and life control, seeing yourselves succeeding, you know, when we look at the, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy idea, the prediction that directly or indirectly causes itself to become true. If we believe we're going to win because we believe it's under our control, we're going to go to greater lengths to prove ourselves right. And if every individual in the team is coming in with that mindset, the outcome has to have more of a chance of being successful. And, and I guess there's lots of great examples that out there, Leah, that have happened over over the years. Um, you know, whether it be in terms of sporting teams or in businesses, where you've got people all connected, pointing in the same direction with the right kind of mindset. And but you know, the way you describe it is just so valuable. I'm just sitting here a little bit in awe, really, just what you're coming out with here, being very quiet, which is unlike for me. Me, isn't it, me but, so. <laughs> Look, and see, and this is the thing, that this is one of the um, behaviours to look for to, when you notice when the blame and shame game is happening, when things go wrong. These are leaders with poor levels of emotional control. They're reacting in anger. They get defensive when criticised. They, they look and feel anxious. Right? Mm. Now, show me a leader who is not anxious. So this is where it's about what, like like a duck, right? We've talked about this before. Ducks look so smooth and elegant and beautiful on the water. What what are their feet doing under there? Mm, yeah. They're going like crazy that. under there, and, yeah. And, and this is a, is a skill set. It's a capability that requires a, a lot of grooming for most of us. Very few of us are born with high levels mm. of emotional control. Leah, thank you so much. You've given us once again another dimension of what mental toughness is about. So next week, we've done confidence, we've done control. Where are we heading next week with this conversation? Next week, let's go to commitment. Commitment. Because, yes. Outstanding. Fantastic. Well, you'll be back from the snow and we will touch base with you next week and go through commitment. Thanks again, Leah.